which ones of those would you relate to as peace the most? Each one of those photos says something about peace, except, of course, you know, we're saying P-E-A-C-E, uh, but, of course, when you saw the chocolate cake, you realize that's P-I-E-C-E, and that's a different kind of peace than we're thinking of this morning. But no, no one of those really captures uh, entirely the thought of what peace is. So for the last several weeks, we've been looking at Isaiah chapter 9, and we've been talking about uh, the titles that Isaiah uh, assigned to Jesus as he was coming to earth hundreds of years before he came. Isaiah 9, I want to read it again this morning. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called, these are the names that we looked at, Wonderful Counselor. We talked about how Jesus is a, a, a master strategist. He has the greatest counsel and wisdom in the world. He's a mighty God. We looked in Hebrew how that really means mighty, mighty God. He's for real, seriously, no joke. He's a mighty God. Everlasting Father. And then today, uh, we're going to look at that title, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of His government, look at this, and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over His kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. Now, some of you are, are really good at sending out Christmas cards. I've, I've never really been good at it, uh, but I appreciate people that are. Uh, but I, I have a Christmas card this morning, and I, I, I found one uh, that I think says something about this Christmas message and Christmas season. It says on the front of it, uh, peace on earth. And if you open it, it says, the Spirit of the Lord bless you and yours with the present of peace this holiday season. Now, I don't know whoever thought that purple and gold, maybe an LSU fan, was really a good you know, Christmas motif. But this card says to me, um, it represents to me kind of how in our society we throw this idea of peace on earth around. We just sort of, kind of like birdseed at a wedding. We just sort of throw it out there all the time. You know, peace on earth. And if you're watching uh, a beauty contest and uh, hopeful is interviewed before the crown is announced, uh, she's likely to say that, you know, one of her greatest goals in life is to work for peace on earth. But if you were to also interview, say, maybe you see a member of the Taliban who is under cloak and whose voice is distorted so that his identity might be protected, that person's peace on earth might be defined entirely different. And so you see this question of peace on earth, what does it mean? Uh, it means different things to different people. But when Isaiah proclaimed this about a Savior was coming to the earth and he would bring peace, it was nothing short of explosive. You've got to sort of hear it the way that it would have been heard the day that Jesus arrived. When the angels appeared to the shepherds outside of Bethlehem and they were singing, Peace on earth, goodwill to men, a baby was born that would, that would bring that peace to earth. Now that struck right at the heart of the mighty Roman Empire. Caesar Augustus had turned Rome into the, into the most powerful empire that the world had ever seen. And he actually used the term, listen to this, he used the term gospel or good news to describe his rule on earth, Caesar's rule on earth. And in every city and in every village, the message of the emperor had been declared for 20 years prior to Jesus' birth. And here's the message that was proclaimed. Divine Augustus Caesar, son of God, emperor of land and sea, the benefactor and savior of the world, has brought you the peace of Rome. 
That was the message that had shot through uh, every center square and every town and village in the Roman Empire's reign for 20 years. And he had achieved what the Romans call uh, Pax Romana. Pax Romana is a, 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 a phrase that means he's achieved peace through sheer military might. In other words, if you violate or disturb or challenge the peace of Rome, the penalty is crucifixion. So you see what's coming, don't you? Right, right at the beginning of Jesus' own birth and life, already all the ingredients are, that are necessary for his death and crucifixion are already in the water. They're already there. If you disturb the peace of Rome, crucifixion is the penalty. So powerful Caesar lifts his little finger, declares a worldwide tax, and in a remote corner of the empire, a young couple have to travel a long way, uh, a sort of a, a dangerous path, and they have to come to Bethlehem, and they have to register, and that's uh, Joseph's ancestral home. And while they're there, a little baby's born, and on a hillside outside Bethlehem, angels have appeared on the earth, and they begin to announce that this, in, among these little shepherds is a Savior. Not, not Caesar, the Lord, but Christ the Lord. They declare that God's peace and favor is now with men. And Isaiah foretold this hundreds of years before it happened, and he said he will be called the Prince of Peace. Now, what does peace on earth mean? Does it mean the absence of war? Historians tell us that since recorded history began, there have only been 250 years of peace on earth. Since recorded history, 250 years of peace on earth. And up to 3 billion people have been killed in wars. Now that's slightly less than half the population of the earth today. 3 billion people have been killed in wars throughout history. There have only been 26 days of peace on the earth since 1945. 26 days of peace. Now, I showed you the little Christmas card a few minutes ago that says, Peace on Earth. If God were to write a Christmas card to us, it would, it would probably have something like that on the outside. It was the first Christmas message that was passed on by the angels. The word the angels use on the hillside is, in Hebrew for peace is the word shalom. Now, you've probably heard this word shalom. Even today, in, uh, if you were to go to Jerusalem, this is the, the street greeting. This is the common greeting. This is the popular greeting. Everybody greets one another, goodbye, hello. They say shalom. Now, in our society, we say, hello, hi, how are you doing? What's going on? How was your day? You know, good to see you. Good night. What's up, dog? You know, we say all kind of stuff, right, in our, in our culture. But in their culture, they use the word shalom. And that sort of covered everything. In English, we translate it peace, but peace is too small of a word. Peace doesn't really give you the best understanding. Now, maybe you remember, uh, if we have some Trekkies in here, uh, Spock. Anybody, anybody with me? Or it's Christmas, right? You're watching reruns. You're with me. All right. Spock, he used to, I could barely do it. My fingers are too uh, round, <laughs> too, too nublet. But you remember when he used to do this? And Remember what he would say? Live long. Come on, there's got to be at least one of you. Yes, live long and prosper, right? Okay, you're with me. This, this, is, this is really uh, close to what shalom means. 
It's what Christmas is about. When Jesus was born to bring God's peace on earth, shalom, in a sense it was a way of saying live long and prosper. Have a good long life. It's sort of a, that deep sense that we crave inside of well-being. But the very best English translation of shalom is this. And if you want to write this down, this is a great thought for the Christmas season. The very best English translation of shalom means this. May everything be as it really should be. May everything be as it really should be. So when somebody greets you with a hello, hi, how are you doing, shalom, what they're saying is may everything be in your life as it really should be. Now, maybe you can look through that and say, that's not going to (laughs) happen. That's like not going to happen until Jesus comes or until I die and go to heaven. Right. And that's called the kingdom of God. But peace doesn't happen... Uh, the government's never going to be able to pass a law that makes peace. Peace doesn't happen that way. Peace happens from the inside out. And so Jesus told Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. And here's what that literally means. My kingdom is not the same kind of kingdom as this world. My, my, let me use another word. He's saying my government is not the same kind of government that the world has. It's not city government. It's not state government. It's not national government. It's not the United Nations government. My government is a different kind of government than the world has. And the, the Bible says in Isaiah, the government shall be on his shoulders. The, the rule of peace will be on his shoulders. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. So Jesus is saying, there's no shalom. There's no shalom in the world. Things being as they really should be until something happens on the inside of a person's life. When something happens inside, then there's shalom. Then things are as they were meant to be. Things unfold and things work the way they're supposed to work. So inner peace means God wants us to know His peace, His shalom in our heart. In a world where we're guaranteed to never have it. Any of you found peace in the world? Any government ever been able to establish peace in the world? It's hard to even establish peace in your home sometimes, let alone the whole nation. But Jesus says, in the middle of a world where things are not as they should be, shalom to you, he's the prince of peace, and he will make things in your heart as they should be and look forward to a kingdom that's coming one day where everything will always be as it should be. That's the Prince of Peace. One morning, uh, a man woke up early to read the newspaper uh, to look for some time alone because he had small children. Those of you with small children realize time alone is incredibly valuable. And so he woke up early one day, he went down the steps, he brewed some coffee, he got the newspaper out, he slid down into his recliner, and just as the sound of the chair stopped moving and he got about the third sentence in, here comes his little five-year-old daughter, appears at the bottom of the steps. Daddy, don't you love that? Just cuts the silence, doesn't it? Daddy, what, baby? I'm not sleepy. Well, go back to bed, baby. I'm sure if you just go lay down, you'll get sleepy again. No, I won't. Well, Daddy wants you to try. I don't want to. Okay. We're not going to win this, right? 
So no amount of coaxing is going to work. So the dad came up with a plan. He looked in the paper and he saw there was a, a, a picture of the globe, of the world. So he said, come on over here with daddy. And he took some scissors and he cut the world up into pieces. And he took her to the kitchen table and he sat her down. And he said, okay, here's some tape. Here's all the little pieces of the world. I want you to put the world back together. And when you do that, come back and see me. About a minute went by. You know, that's how our plans work, right? About a minute went by. She's standing right at the arm of the recliner. Here, Daddy, I fixed it. Baby, how did you get that back together so fast? She said, well, on the, on the cutout that you gave me, on the back side of the page was a picture of a man. And when I got the man right, I got the world right. It's a good work for Christmas, isn't it? You get the man right, you'll get the world right. You get the man right in here, you get the world right. And then that's where peace comes from. So this morning we're going to share communion together. And I thought it was such a great time to um, reaffirm uh, who we are as a church and what, what the kingdom of God is about. I got a letter, uh, an email about 10 days ago from George Wood. That may, name may not strike a, ring a bell to you. George Wood is the leader uh, of our fellowship, the Assemblies of God. He's the national leader. And he sent a letter out uh, to the three million, you know, uh, the Assemblies of God is about three million in America. And he sent a letter out to all the pastors. Uh, and he asked a special request. He said, uh, on this Sunday, which was last Sunday, we, we weren't able to participate because uh, we had Scrooge and everything else happening. But he said, I want to ask you to, to join with all the Assembly of God churches and the Church of God in Christ churches uh, to observe a Black Lives Matter Sunday. The Church of God in Christ is a, a church in America, uh, all, almost nearly all black, if not all black, a church of four million people. And so George Wood said in his email to us, he said, I want to ask you to do this for two reasons. One, because black lives do matter. He said, there are black Christians in the church of God in Christ and the assemblies of God who feel their lives are not highly valued by some people in America. He said, the second reason, and I'm kind of shrinking this down, I've actually posted this entire letter on my Facebook if you'd like to go and read the entire thing. But the second letter, and it's a letter to pastors, he said, America's racially divided and needs the church to heal its division. The Pentecostal movement, which, by the way, the Church of God in Christ and the Assemblies of God both trace their roots back to Azuzu Street in Los Angeles, uh, which was a supernatural, spirit-led revival in the beginning of the 1900s uh, that was actually led by a godly man named William Seymour, who was, who was a black man. And that revival was a shining moment in history where the Spirit of Jesus moved and glued together the hearts of people who attended, and there were people of all races uh, who attended those meetings. And as uh, one historian wrote, the color line was washed away in the blood. Unfortunately, the forces of segregation reasserted themselves again. Now, here's what I want to say. I know that this is a, uh, there's a lot of tension in our country. But I love what George Wood said 
There is no government. There is no law. There is no rule. There is no thing that's going to bring peace except the Prince of Peace. And today we affirm that. Today we affirm the Prince of Peace. So here's what you won't hear on the news. Here's the stories that you don't hear much of. In the 21st century, I think that we see the Spirit of Jesus moving again. And the Prince of Peace is on the move again. And I'm grateful to be a part of the Assemblies of God today, which I don't know if you know this or not, but the fellowship that we're a part of, every, every major minority group in America is growing in the Assemblies of God today. Every one of them. The Assemblies of God is quickly moving into becoming a very, very diverse church. The AG is leading the way in that diversity. Now, I'm also grateful to be a part of a local church where everybody's welcome. I'm grateful to be a part of a people regardless of age or race or background. Everybody is welcome in this church, and that's been the testimony of this church in this city and around the world. Everywhere we go on the mission field, every, all the countries that we go to, the testimony of this church is, is that everyone's welcome. And I'm very grateful for that because I think that's what this table means. Jesus didn't die for one kind of person. Jesus died for every kind of person. And there's, what's the story? If you get the man right, you get the world right. At this table, we get the man right. And from that, and only from that, if the church has a place of leadership today in the American culture, it is here. There are no other answers. I don't have any, and, and I don't know anybody that has any. But we have the answer. And that's the Prince of Peace. Shalom. May things be as they should be, or as Jesus said when he taught us to pray, may your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The Bible tells me how his will is done on, in heaven. And if earth's supposed to be a mirror image of that, from every tribe and from every tongue and from every nation on earth, they will gather at the end times and sing, what? The glory of the Lamb who was slain, who's the Prince of Peace. So, Today, I want to reaffirm that Jesus is the Prince of Peace in a practical way at this table. I'm not here to mix politics. I think the church ought to be a place where lines are erased and healing comes. No other group has that ability. If I understand the Bible right, no other group has the ability to heal those wounds but the church. So we've got to lead the way. So this morning, I, I want us to do that. Peace is delivered through this table. And what's really awesome to me is that this is how we started 2014. We didn't know what would happen in 2014, but Jesus did. But we started 2014 at this table. We started at the communion table. We started, we've been talking about the table all year long. What does it mean? It means a place where relationships are built. It means a place where husband and wife can resolve their conflict and have peace in their marriage. It means where parents and kids can come to a place of resolution. It means where an individual can come to a place of peace with God because the table's open to everybody. It means where people from different backgrounds, different races, different types of people can come and everybody's equal at the table. That's what the table means. So this morning, we're going to share communion, and, and I want to do it in a, I want to do it in a very uh, unique way. 
Uh, what I would like to do is if I could have everyone stand and be patient with me. We've never done this before. <laughs> so it, it's going to take a minute. But what I would like to do is I would like to invite um, I would like to invite uh, in, any any uh, I would like to invite all non-white ethnicities if you would come I want to honor you today and if you would come to the table first here's why the majority of this county is is white and I think the burden rests on the majority to make it clear that everybody's accepted I think we have to take the lead and so this morning, I want to ask you, African-American, Hispanic, we have eight or nine nationalities in our Hispanic ministry here, Asian. And here's the cool thing about Kingwood Church. <laughs> to, to do that, you almost actually have to leave, you have to leave friends. <laughs> right? You say, I never thought about it that way before. But I want to invite you to come. Would you come now and join me? We want to serve you first. Would you come and let us honor you? I want to stand with the church of God in Christ. I want to stand with the assemblies of God. I want to stand with the kingdom of God. I want to stand with this table. And I want to make a statement today that you're welcome here. You're welcome. We receive you and we love you and we honor you. And we'll serve you first today.